Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Auburn Express. Powered by The Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, The Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Guys, uh, we have a big matchup in case you've been under a rock. Big matchup this weekend. Auburn's true first test of the season. Number 22, Penn State, comes into Jordan-Hare on Saturday. That will be a 2.30 kickoff. For those who won't be in attendance at Jordan-Hare, you can find that game on CBS. The line favors Penn State, but just narrowly. Season history, Penn State leads this head-to-head 2-1. to one. Of course, we know what happened last year. Penn State pulled away 28-20. to 20. We want to know... We want to know, is there going to be a difference this time around? Lots to talk about, but to help us talk about it, we're going to bring in returning guest, our good friend, T. Frank Carr, who's film analyst for BWI and host of the BWI Daily Edition on YouTube. T. Frank, welcome back. Welcome T. Frank, talk to me about Penn State. Your thoughts about Penn State so far. Two weeks in, they had a, a an amazing come-from-behind win against Purdue, uh, first game of the season. Uh, had a bit of a breather against Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. The offense went wild against them. Your thoughts about Penn State so far in this season? Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Well, the season opening game is the third Big Ten opener in a row. Two were planned. One was pandemic related. So they, they're getting used to opening against Big Ten opponents and having really important games right out of the gate. Uh, and they've all been almost exactly the same. 
coming down to the very last play, coming down to critical moments. So Penn State's getting used to these cardiac wins and losses to begin the season. And uh, I think that's got them battle-tested for this game. Not to say that going down to Alabama and in the elements there isn't going to be its own unique test, but with a 15th-year quarterback, I, I, I was looking at, at the <laughs> roster for Auburn. And don't you have a left guard that's been there since, I, like, two uh, presidential administrations ago. Those Brandon Council has been in college yeah. for a while, but he's a transfer. <laughs> he's only been at Auburn for three years. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. he's been in. He, he, I, I think Council's the perfect name because he's going to sit on some council at some point. Yeah. He's been there so long. Yeah. My terrible stand-up routine aside, Sean Clifford is uh, is is been through all of these environments. So I don't think the moment's going to get to him. And the question is, is the Auburn defense going to get to him? Because he turns into the Bo Nicks in this game. So what guy is showing up here? Because Sean Clifford can be the guy that is surgical and is rhythmic and melodic and, and gets into and out of good plays, or he can be the guy that throws a random interception in the middle of a game for no reason that gets returned for a touchdown and puts your team behind. So that's really the question. James Franklin has called his offense uneven at times, and truthfully, it starts from the top. It starts from the quarterback of he's a bit of an uneven player at this point, and he's six years in, so that's what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Who shows up from that perspective? That's going to tell me a lot about how this game goes from Penn State's perspective. We actually are going to start. Do we want to pull up the offense? Uh, actually, let's start with Penn State. Let's start with Penn State. Since, since we've already been talking about their offense. Yeah. You hear me guys better, uh, by, by the way? Yeah, there yes. you go. Yeah, there you go. for two to start the show. Didn't Salt have the mic on. Here. <laughs> there you go. There you Sorry go. about that. Yeah, and we could hear you. It's just a lot of room tone, so. Yeah, gotcha. Um, So, Sean Clifford, he returns. He's thrown almost 500 yards so far. Mm-hmm. What I'll say about Sean Clifford is... He looks like what you would expect from a very experienced quarterback at this point. Now, he granted his career has been he's been kind of up and down, but I saw a lot from him in that Purdue game, especially that last drive. He looked like he's been there before. And to me, that just strikes me as someone, a type of quarterback you're going to want to take with you on the road with your team in a hostile environment. But you, your your thoughts about Sean Clifford, the, the fan base's thoughts about him. In, in his final, this is his final season, right? Or is, is he, is he, <laughs> he has about 40 more years of eligibility. How, unless, how? He, unless he blackmailed somebody. I, I don't know. I, okay. I but uh, no, I think this is, this is definitely his final season. Uh, the big time throws really aren't there. The, the, the great decisions aren't there. Cause even against Ohio, he was making good plays and good reads and stable decision-making. My quarterback coach isn't going to get mad at me type of decisions, but when you look at the the big throws, you know, maybe backside against cover four where you've got a man matchup that you like. Not looking at those. Uh, the ability to push the ball into certain situations if you see a blitz and you can replace with a throw if you do that quickly and you make that decision, uh, then he eats the ball and, and you get a sack, which is a right decision, but was there a better one to make? Um, And then, you know, in the game against Auburn, I just thought he threw off his back foot the entire game. And until that final, this is the narrative thing of football is until that final drive, I don't think he was performing up to the level that Penn State needed. 
And I said going into the game, if you make that a contest of six-year quarterbacks between Aiden O'Connell, who was great for Purdue last year and then put up 59 points the next week, and you make it between him and Sean Clifford, that's the advantage for Purdue. And it became that, and Sean Clifford pulled one out in that drive and operated that very well in that two-minute situation. But it was my opinion, based on watching their defense, that should have been more what the game was like. And I know they scored 35 points, and I know I'm being overly critical about a player, but the fact is he is what he is. Uh, He is not going to be a guy that is going to take over too many games and win them for you with advanced-level quarterback understanding and accuracy, decision-making, and throwing guys open into windows. He will do some of that some of the time. But that's really the 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 story has been for Penn State. When is five-star quarterback Drew Aller going to take over? Because he looks the part and he performed the part against Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I, he played with the starters. They got him some playing time after halftime with the starting offensive line and some of the starting receivers. And uh, he he performed. He made it look easy. Now, again, it's Ohio at home in the home opener. It's not on the road against Auburn. But I think for most most fans, there is a, a one of my coworkers coined it well, Sean Clifford fatigue. And, mm. and the next guy has to be the guy that takes you somewhere. And it's just, is that going to be this year? And is it going to be a um, Jalen Hurts to a tongue of a Loa situation? Mm. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, where the five-star comes in and, and replaces the starter? Or is Clifford going to keep his job throughout the season? So it's not just the idea that, you know, Sean Clifford is what he is. There's other guys behind him now that people want to see and that have legitimate talent. Do you do you think that, I mean, obviously a strong running game helps any quarterback and helps any offense. Uh, one thing to make of note, you're, you're, I see that Katron Lee or Katron Allen is the uh, – Kevon Lee is is the starter here, but it's actually Nicholas Singleton who's been kind of the breakout running back uh, yeah. for, for this group. How much of him do you expect to see against Auburn? So that's really the stories. You got a bunch of uh, Penn State had a very good class of 2022 and a uh, five-star quarterback and a five-star running back in, in Nicholas Singleton where He had 179 yard rushing on 10 carries in over two years. Penn state has not had a 100 yard rusher. He finally broke that and he broke that in a big way. So Kevon Lee is the starter. He's a dependable veteran. He does a lot of things well, but there's just a difference. Um, And, and the comparisons, even from myself and I try to be, so I, you know, film analyst, analytical, looking at things and, and non-emotional terms. I can't help but start comparing him Nick Singleton to everybody. That's good. Um, you know, internally people are like, I remember Saquon Barkley making runs like that. Uh, I work for on three on three, uh, our scouting director, Charles power uh, compares him to Nick Chubb looking at him in person. He's two seventeen and he's skinny. So he's going to be a big back. He's physical. He runs hard. He finished. Not only does he run like a four, three, nine, and I'm being nice. Like he's a legit four, three at two seventeen. Uh, but he will bury his head in your chest as a if you're a linebacker or a defensive end. It doesn't matter. He's he runs power through contact. Maybe needs a little more wiggle, but I you know when he's finished, he's going to be another top pick in the NFL draft. So Penn State has that juice in the backfield again, finally to help Clifford out, who has not had that the last couple of seasons. So that's a huge benefit for the team. And then Catron Allen is another high four star player 
Um, he is a he's a sophomore. Like he's a true freshman, but he came from IMG Academy, so he understands blocking schemes. He can he can catch. He can find the actual point of attack on a on a inside zone instead of just doing what every other running back in America does, which is I'm going to cut back on every play. Right. So they've got a good stable of running backs this year. And Nick Singleton is the guy that's going to break out and make big plays while the other guys are dependable, reliable, good football players. I wanted to kind of get into uh, Clifford a little bit because I remember last year you came on and you said that you had a term for what Bo Nix was and also what uh, Sean Clifford was. And that was a non-viable starting quarterback. Now, we we don't have the same guy anymore, but you have the same guy. And so I was yeah. very eager to hear how you assessed him in these first two weeks because you got the same guy. But, I mean, I didn't – I watched the Purdue game. I, mm-hmm. I only watched the scoreboard for Ohio, right? So I was like, maybe? Maybe you turned the corner. Maybe five years is it? But you seem to still be on that, hey, he's still the same guy, but the yeah. team has performed well. So how do you view – I'm going to – this is two parts. When you see Will Levis getting big wins, and playing well, because I know he came from Penn State. And so mm-hmm. you go, man, we could have had that guy. D- does that cross your mind? Or are you, I guess, settled in the fact that look, this is who we have. At least mm-hmm. we may have something in a layer coming behind him. I am at least satisfied with Clifford. I guess it depends on how the season plays out, right? Well, so for, first off, like I'm looking at this from an evaluation standpoint, not necessarily from like a, a fan standpoint. And I got I've, I, I've, I've been watching Sean Clifford I, I think since uh, the dawn of time, like I woke up in the morning, it's kind of a groundhog day situation. I've been watching him for so long that I wake up, I watch Sean Clifford and then I brush my teeth and go to, you know, it's, it, that's the situation. So <laughs> yeah. I would like something else to see. I'd like something else new to review. Um, but the Will Levis thing is uh, another sore spot for Penn State football fans. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There was very little evidence that, that Will Levis was going to be what he was when he was at Penn State. Right. He had some opportunities to get on the field, um, and he was kind of a run-first guy. And he did not seem like somebody that wanted to throw the football as an instinct. Now, some of the things are there, and I went into a long breakdown of going all the way back to his high school film, looking at him you know, in his time at Penn State, and then what he became at uh, Kentucky. And the offense there for him is perfect because they incorporate a heavy dose of his run game, uh, his ability as a quasi-fullback, but he also has great mechanics, a strong arm. And to me, the, the thing about him is the willingness to stay in the pocket. He's always had that when he actually throws the football, but it was understanding where the ball should go, the timing of the play, those kind of important quarterback DNA things were the part that he seemed to struggle with, Was didn't really know what he's looking at early on. And that's the part that's changed. And that's unlocked a lot of these things for Will Levis, where at least last season, I haven't watched any of his film this year. Uh, previously, the inaccuracies downfield, the aggressiveness to throw the ball, which is a double-edged sword for him, that's that was there before, but he became more accurate in those plays and made better decisions. So from that perspective, I, you know, I, I, I'm not somebody that's going to kill a coach for playing the guy that they know is dependable and James and James Franklin and, and Sean Clifford have been tied together for a long time. Sean Clifford is a great leader, great locker room presence. Everyone follows him. And you know, when things are good and you've got a good offensive line and good, everything else, he can be a good player. But when things are bad and, and, and uh, they were bad the last two seasons, he is the product of the environment. Mm. Um, so you get a better environment and that's what Penn State has this year. We'll see. 
But yeah, the Will Levis thing for Penn State fans especially is kind of a hard pill to swallow mm. considering he likely will be a first-round pick and Penn State hasn't had a first-round pick quarterback since Kerry Collins. So it's Ooh. been a while. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> when you look at this, this graphic here, uh, T. Frank, what is, what is the very important matchup that you're looking to see on the Penn State's offensive side of the ball? What are, what is what is a position or what is a skill area that you're looking at? When you say this needs to be productive in order to give us a good shot at winning. So uh, the caveat is I've studied the defensive scheme for Auburn and how it's changed since last season and some of the new wrinkles, but I haven't really gotten into the front seven yet. That was on my to do list today, and then you know bunch of other things happened. So unfortunately, I can't speak too much to the offensive line versus the defensive line. Um, but I do think, and, and not to not to beat this sorely dead horse, but the coverage that and and the the plan that Auburn came in with last year, where they were going to play soft coverage, they weren't going to do a whole lot to confuse, be complex, or blitz. No stunts, no crosses, nothing to confuse the offensive line. That played perfectly into what Penn State needed. So right. to mm-hmm. me, what's the plan this year? Because I've seen more aggressiveness, more zone blitzing a little bit more too high safety not so much just playing that cover three look so is that going to confuse the offensive line and clifford and then you know i i've seen kind of the pff numbers i've i've seen the reputation of the front seven that they're going to be stout and they're going to be good against the run um pass rushing penn state has better offensive line play this year olu fashanu is going to be another borderline superstar player Um, He's the number one rated pass protector, according to PFF. He's given up zero pressures, zero sacks. He has had not a lot of work to do because they're good pass rushers. So I'm expecting good there, but right tackle Caden Wallace and some of the interior players have been up and down in pass protection. I'm assuming Penn State's not going to run the football very well in this game. They have not been consistent run blockers. It's going to be up to Nick Singleton to break a run outside the formation, outside the scheme. He can do that, but that's, again, where I need to dig into the outside linebackers and and the players in the front seven and say, Nick Singleton in space, is he going to get it done? That would be my question to you guys is, you know, what's the athleticism like of that front seven? Can they chase a guy who is, as like I described with Singleton, can they chase that guy down before he gets started? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a ton of speed on this defense. Uh, Guys like, I mean, Owen Papo is just, he's he runs like a freaking wide receiver. Um, the question is going to be the same question I had last game with him is he, when he gets there, is he going to be able to get him to the ground? Like plenty strong enough. Sometimes he misses tackles though. So it's going to be about him just getting there and wrapping up. But outside of that, the speed around the edges are, are definitely good. That's the one thing I've been happy with Auburn's defense so far in the front seven. It's just the discipline, uh, misdirection and trying to, you know, Breaking contain hasn't been an easy proposition against Auburn so far, specifically in the run game and with mobile quarterbacks, right? We haven't had a mobile Mm -hmm. quarterback in these first two games. They were capable, hasn't gone nuts on us. So they've been very disciplined thus far this season and making sure that they're just being in their rush lanes and not over pursuing, but pursuing like, but pursuing to the point of being able to gain tackle as well. Not a lot of just one-on-one plays and space having to be made. So, um, and and they've had really good screen recognition, right? So that's the Mm -hmm. thing that I've been the most impressed with with the front seven is their recognition of screens. Haven't been getting burnt by screens very often so far. Yeah, and that was, I was going to say, in the Monday presser, they give out this info. We are still the best run defense in the conference Mm -hmm. as of week two. 
So even though uh, we've given them some pass plays, we let some running quarterbacks pass on us, honestly. Their ability to run really just forced us into zone, and we got picked apart a little bit. So I, the pass defense numbers look bad, but I don't think Clifford will or should scare the defense so much where they have to play zone and have to account for somebody that's as quick as the quarterbacks mm-hmm. we played for the first two weeks. So I'm interested to see how they play. I, after... Uh, I'm not sure if you kept up with us last year, but once we played the defensive game that we played against Bama, then everybody looked back on that Penn State game with a whole lot of questions like, what in the hell? If we could do that all year. So my guess is that, I mean, these coaches have seen that. Um, They knew what they had at the end of the season, and they may not have known what they had early last season. But now they know. A lot of the the personnel is still there. So I am just as interested in you. What are they going to do, and who are they going to send to do it? Um, I'm kind of excited about, about that prospect. Yeah, and and what I will also say, too, to B's point is we showed a little bit more in week two, but for the most part, we've been very vanilla mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of what we want to show. So there's no telling. We could see we could see some uh, different Auburn defense in terms of how they want to attack. So I'm curious to see if they continue to just roll out the same game plan they rolled out a year ago, or are they more aggressive? Do they come after the quarterback? I'm interested to see what they do. So. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Let's flip it a little bit real quick, uh, B, before we get to the drawing. Let's let's talk specifically about the Penn State defense. Kind of a quick assessment so far of what you've seen from the defensive side of the ball, T. So this has been a, a new a learning experience for me when it comes to this defense with Manny Diaz because he's for years and years and years, it was Brent Pry, and uh, before that, Bob Shoup were Brent Pry. They were all on the staff together with James Franklin at Vanderbilt. So Manny Diaz coming in is a completely, it's a different system. James Franklin is, is has been pointing to how similar it is to what Brent Pry did. But that, I said this before, that's like saying that tomatoes and spaghetti are the same thing, like spaghetti sauce. Sure, I mean, if you want to be philosophical about it, but Manny Diaz does a bunch of things. So for me, the first two weeks has been learning what those things are, how they function, and what uh, what he's trying to accomplish with that. So it's, I think stylistically, it's going to look very different from what you saw last year. There's he's a very aggressive coach. I said this uh, earlier today to one of the Penn State football players that I think if he could, Manny Diaz would send the Nittany Lion after a quarterback yeah he he's, 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 he's definitely a blitz guy he's gonna leave yeah. his corners out there on a with their talented corners don't get me wrong yeah but manny diaz is not afraid to send the house at a quarterback so i'd say in that context the thing that has been um really behind it has been the efficiency of of the blitzing the efficiency of making sure that when you're when you're running at the line you're getting a quality rush so I think there's a little bit of newness there from a blitz perspective for some of these guys because, you know, Sam linebackers, slot corners, safeties, everyone is learning how to blitz, I think, uh, at, at, as a more at a higher rate than they have in the past where defensive linemen, you know, that's that's their money. That's their job. They know how to be efficient with their timing, with their hands, with their path to the quarterback. And that was over the first two weeks. What I picked up on is if you're going to stunt or you're going to have a, a crosser between your linebackers, you need to take the most efficient path. And there's been a little bit of that. And and then the timing of everything, making sure if you're blitzing from depth that you're, you get there. Um, so that's going to be something I watch in this game is, are they going to bring it after TJ Finley? 
and uh, on the back end, are they going to give him easy enough reads where he knows what he's looking at? Because when I watch him on film, I don't think he knows what he's looking at half the time. <laughs> and, and if you give him just man coverage, you know, he's a big, strong quarterback. He can throw the football. He's got some good accuracy where he's put it on the money to some of the guys against San Jose State. There's a good seam route he threw where it was up to the, the tight end that I was really impressed with. So what's the balance there of trying to confuse a quarterback that has shown on film that he doesn't process information extremely well without putting your guys out of position, something they're not used to doing. So to me, that's what I'm watching for in this game is how does Penn State decide to attack TJ Finley when he does throw the football? That's going to be where I think if they can get an interception, a sack, something like that, they haven't been able to get to the quarterback because everyone's been throwing the ball quickly. Does he hold on to the ball or does he give them the football? Yeah, so I have a question here. So, I mean, I, I know that the defensive backfield is full of studs for, for um, Penn State. They've played well so far this year. Um, Michael Porter Jr. Um, just really been an outstanding guy on the outside. But who is the guy up front? We know P.J. Mustafer, traditional yeah. run stuffer. He's He's been a, a stalwart on that defensive line. But who's the other guy this year? And we talked a little bit about this on the space before the season got started, but is going to be that pass rusher. You need to watch out for him in the pass game if, yeah. if Manny Diaz isn't going to blitz, right? Like, we're just going to rush our front four. Who's going to be that guy that Auburn fans would say, man, he really was a, he's a, he's a, uh, uh, a wrecker up there. Yeah. So uh, first thing is PJ Mustafer tore his ACL against Iowa a couple weeks later. So he's been returning from that injury. And mm -hmm. this is, you know, it'll be almost a year uh, during this game for him uh, coming back from that. So that's been a huge thing is he's, he is their major run stuffer up front. He hasn't really had to do a lot of that in the first two weeks because uh, two pass heavy opponents to start the season this is going to be a test for him of how healthy is he? What sort of run shape is he in? Because last, it wasn't, it, he's never been like a, a great take on double teams, nose tackle type of guy. Right. He's big, but he's quick. He moves well and uh, he's disruptive. So is all of that back? And are you going to be able to do that systematically and regularly against a zone heavy team that wants to run the football? Uh, but as far as the pass rush goes, Chop Robinson from Maryland, five-star, four-star, however you had him, high four-star, super uh, talented pass rusher. He transferred from Maryland, and he has been a disruptive force for the Nittany Lions, both in the run game and in the pass game. 244, little undersized, but I think he's actually getting bigger as, as time goes on, um, playing a full-time defensive end. I love the way he plays. He gets on the edge of tackles. He plays bigger. He plays through contact well. And he's got nasty speed and get off. Hmm. On the flip side, Penn State's other defensive end, Adisa Isaac, is also coming back from a serious injury. Uh, he missed the entirety of last season with it. And he you know, said he's getting close to full strength. Uh, he's another explosive athlete, super fast. But my question has always been, what else is there other than the speed? And he showed me some things on film that I think are good in terms of pass rushing moves he's been working on while he was gone and some maturity to his game. But really... It's right now it's chop Robinson and that's it. Hmm. So that's the, that's the question for Penn state is if they're blitzing, are they efficient? And when you blitz, you're creating all these one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Mm -hmm. Are the defensive linemen going to take advantage of that? Hakeem Beeman is a penetrating three technique, super explosive himself. And he hasn't been consistently making an impact. So 
which one of those guys, if any, will step up. I, I tend to think that it's going to be Chop Robinson and then pressure from the edge, you know, gotcha. from blitzing and from from zone stuff. Yeah. Ike, what is your what is the one of the biggest concerns you have? Of course, we've talked kind of early on about our concerns with the offense. How critical is first and second down going to be for the Auburn offense in this game, knowing what we know to be true about Manny Diaz and how he likes to run his defenses? I mean, my my biggest thing is going to be how we handle the blitz just overall. Um, You know, our blitz pickup and then whether or not we'll have any creative ways to get our running backs in space um, to keep those that second wave of defenders honest for Penn State. Right. Like you want to make sure You've got some, you know, creative things to throw into the blitz, some quick outlets for TJ Finley to get the ball out of his hands on those early downs um, so that you can get into third and short and you've got the entire playbook. Because if you're in third and long, you know, it's likely going to be you've got to win and you've got to win quickly on the outside because they're just going to lock up in man and they're going to send people at TJ Finley because he's not super mobile. Um, so the biggest concern for me is just going to be what those first two downs look like from a standpoint of not being predictable and just saying we're going to turn around and hand it off for two straight downs. Then hopefully we've done a good enough job to get in third and short or go ahead and get a first down. Are we going to be creative in the first two downs to allow us to be in a very comfortable position on third down where you're not relying on TJ Finley to make third and seven or longer uh, plays? Because thus far this season, he's been good in those scenarios, but we, he hasn't been blitzed a lot in those scenarios. What they've been trying to do is uh, play coverage on the back end, and he's yeah. done a decent job of diagnosing where he needs to go because he's had time. Manny Diaz isn't going to take that chance. He's going to send guys at him. He's going to make TJ Finley have to diagnose where the pressure is coming from and make a quick decision. And if he can be accurate, there's going to be opportunities there, right? There's going to be opportunities for runs after the catch, that sort of thing. But he's got to make the right decision. So for me, it's about first and second down creativity in those play callings and not becoming predictable in that so that you're giving Penn State things to think about um, on the defensive end. Any, any, any. Any thoughts, B, before we before we move on? Yeah, I, I would ask uh, T. Frank. So, I mean, you've had to see Robbie Ashford get on the field, flash yeah. some athleticism, you know, in the first two games. But um, it's also got to be obvious to you, like it is to us, that the coaches don't want to trust him with the whole shebang. So yeah. if you are the Penn State coaches, and maybe you've had the chance to ask, I don't know, how seriously do you think they are taking the prospect of Robbie Ashford not only showing up for some plays, but doing some things at quarterback that they we haven't showed so far. So uh, James Franklin starts every Tuesday press conference with his opening statement, which um, has gotten shorter over time, but it is a thing that I think a lot of people actually tune out. Um, and he goes through the previous game. He goes through the weekly uh, you know, players of the week from the players of the game all the way down to the developmental players of the week on on the scout team and the guys like that. And then he'll go into the opponent and he'll discuss um, the coaching staff, what he knows about the team, players that they have in common in recruiting and stuff like that. And he discusses the players that stand out to him on film and stand out to the staff. And uh, first off, they recruited Robbie Ashford. And secondly, he was one of the first names that James Franklin said. So Mm -hmm. they take his athleticism very seriously. And how could you not? I mean, he is breathtaking speed. The way he moves, it is so graceful and so fluid and it's so fast. Um, The question is, does he have control of all of those abilities to make it work as a quarterback? Um, Watching him throw sometimes, his mechanics are pretty poor. 
I mean, why is your leg swinging out like that? Why, why, why are you not setting your feet properly? Why are you not, you know, if, if you're going to be a, a linear thrower, be a linear thrower. If you're going to be a rotational thrower, be a rotational thrower. Don't do both. Um, so from that perspective, I, I think that showing more and, and him doing more obviously is always a threat. But the real threat to me when I watch him is that ability, uh, you know, in the zone read option game and then some just quarterback designed runs because getting in space, I think he's very dangerous in space. Can you keep him contained? That's going to be I, I think that's the goal for this game is keep him contained and then force them if he's going to be on the field to throw the ball in more situations, right? You know, build in more of those plays to force him to be a quarterback because you're denying him the easy read to keep.